All right, I think I'm on. Cool. I was just thinking about those words. Um, uh, if what Jesus is asking for is his reward is my heart, then I think, well, that's amazing that his reward is me and his reward is you. That's just incredible. Anyway, we'll talk a bit more about that this morning, but um, welcome to the Kenner's house. Woo! Yeah. Someone's excited. Ash is excited. Uh, we've already, we've had an argument here this morning. Uh, we've had some fun and we've gone deep. So we're already, already having a pretty good time. Um, context, providing some context. I may, I don't know if you can hear, but I'm already getting heckled as well. So we'll, uh, we'll see how this goes. But um, <clears throat> it's funny, I was watching those videos just then and I used to watch, I used to watch a lot of those videos. I used to, you know, used to i do play guitar i used to play guitar um i still do thank you ben um and i i always used to look at you know the guys playing guitar especially like i i noticed nice guitars like there was one guy i think it was the second last song had a really nice acoustic that had like a starburst effect with some nice satin varnish over the top and um i really liked the hollow body guitars there was a there was a guy in that last or the, the song previous to the last playing a really nice guitar and I think I grew up wanting to be that guy um, and I would see people doing amazing things like, you know, if you're an amazing musician, you get to play with the best singers and the best musos and the most amazing band. And I grew up thinking, um, you know, I wanted to do that, to be seen, to be doing that, if I'm completely honest. Um, and uh, I started down that road, but, but not only that, like I'd see people doing amazing things, whether it was, you know, I grew up going to church, whether it was in the church or whether, whether it was, um, I, I better start my timer because um, apparently I'm notorious for going over time. So Curtis, Curtis set me up this morning saying you've got 20 minutes and then he put 25 on the run sheet. So I've seen that, Curtis. I see what you did. Um, yeah, just, just thinking that, um, I grew up thinking that, you know, if I was going to do something with my life, you know, for, for God, if that's the purpose of my life, you know, that um, I would do something for him, which is, I guess, I've come to see as as really not a great way to look at my life, um, and but that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, that I would have to go and do my faith. Do you know what I mean? Like I would have to use um, every ounce of muster that I could to um, go and be somebody and be something. And um, I think what I've realised um, as I've gotten a little bit older is that if um, if that's what I think uh, life is about. I'm going to continually lack the empowerment of what Jesus can bring to my life and the empowerment of his spirit um, to what I would do with my life. I think it's easy for me to, to default back to that, to that way of, of thinking, but um, I'd often make so many comparisons between you know, my life and what I was about and what I was doing and what the people around me were doing and accomplishing and um, if they were doing great things, and that, especially when I was younger, if they were my age, uh, and they were doing great things. I think I'd just feel really behind. Like I should be doing something with my life and it should be great and I should be achieving something. Um, and uh, I was um, I was talking to, oh, that's right, last week at church, um, I was talking to Leela and I, I said, oh, look, I feel like God's giving, given me a bit of a picture um, about, you know, being filled with the spirit and instead of living from my own strength, trying to do something, you know, great with my life. 
um, living from his strength by being filled with the spirit and instead of lacking empowerment to do just being with him to receive and then, um, you know, being filled with a desire to do his will from his spirit. It's a completely different way of operating. Um, and that, that picture was, um, I felt like he was showing me that, um, you know, like we are like a marker, you know, like my kids do a lot of drawing. I can, I honestly, I can get an hour of free time if I set them up with some pencils or some markers, but our oldest one has moved from pencils to markers and, um, and she loves that. And, uh, he, he was showing me that, you know, I was, I was like a marker. And if, um, if I'm not filled with his spirit, if the mark is not filled with the ink, and I try and draw, I'm actually not going to really be achieving much. And, you know, that's biblical. You know, like the Bible says that we, we really can't do anything without him, anything of worth and value. Um, and he was just showing me that, you know, like he is the ink, you know, like when I'm filled up, I can I have the opportunity to, to be a part of drawing a, a picture, you know, creating something beautiful with my life because, um, you know, like he knows me. Like he made me, he, if I believe that he created me and all that's around me, he knows me the best, right? And he says he, has, he knows the plans and purposes that he has for me. So when I, instead of seek to be something great and do something, you know, in my own strength, out of my own will, when I instead stop for a moment and just remember who he is and choose to be filled by him, I become empowered by his spirit and I get to draw on the canvas of my life. And he, he does it because he gets to live through me. But not only that, I'm bringing a full marker to, to this, to what I'm a part of with you guys and we're drawing together and he is creating something amazing and that's, that's how it works. You know, we were talking just earlier about, um, you know, becoming exhausted, um, you know, doing, doing, doing so much um, and then, and then not, not really trusting in who God's made us to be and, in fact, wearing masks and how masks are. Wearing a mask is exhausting, but when we wear a mask because we're so afraid that, you know, we'll experience rejection from the people around us, um, we can't actually experience love because people don't get the real us. To experience love and to love, we actually need to be okay with who we are and be okay with um, sharing who we are. And then, you know, then if someone says, hey, I love you, then it means something because they love the person that we are. You know, they're not getting a false self that we're trying to project something that we're better than we are because I'm trying to be the guy on the guitar with the awesome equipment and can do the, I don't know what it is for you. That, that was just what it was for me growing up. Um, but that's, that's what I want to talk about today. I've pulled a few, um, a, a few scriptures to, to give us some examples, but um, I wanted to start with Jesus because <laughs> let's go straight to the top, hey? Yeah, he's a good, that's right. He's a good man. There's a, no, Ben disagrees. Don't start with him. Um, but I, I think I, I just couldn't help, but, um, I couldn't help but start with, um, Jesus on the cross. Um, you know, like we, we say that we want to do great things with our life or, or maybe we become discouraged and start to believe that we can't. So we never try, you know, either, either way is, is not, is not ideal, but, um, let's read from Luke 23, 33 to 43. That's, that's Luke 23, 33 to 43. That should be up on your screen. It already is, yep. It says, When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. So <laughs> I'll, I'll read on, but the thing that struck me here was the, the next part that Jesus says, And Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. 
and they cast lots, dividing his clothes amongst themselves. And, and so it's like when, when we start talking about empowerment of the spirit, we're talking about things that are unnatural, right? And so this is, this is the first one that, that came to mind. It's like that is so unnatural. I mean, we, we read this story because we've read it before and we gloss over it, but it's easy to do that without putting yourself in Jesus' shoes. He's being beaten and mocked by everyone. And you think, oh, well, you know, he should be able to forgive. His purpose was to come here to earth and save his own people. But the thing that struck me about this was, if you read it, it's up on the screen, read it again, who is it that he's asking for forgiveness for? It's the Romans. It's not his own Jewish people. He is asking for forgiveness for the people that have persecuted his own people and that are now mocking him and destroying his body, basically. That's amazing. That's unnatural. You have to admit that's unnatural. That's not something that you know, we could accomplish on our own. And then, then so I started thinking, well, sometimes I struggle to come to Jesus. You know, like sometimes I do want to hide and put up masks, even coming to him, because I think... I think I fear rejection from him because I'm not good enough and because I fail and because I don't get it right a lot of the time. But then I read this and I think Jesus forgave the people that weren't even his people that were killing him and mocking him and abusing him. There's not much, there's not much worse. There's, there's not really a worse story. There's not something that you could do really. There's not much more that you could do to God that's worse than this, right? And yet I struggle to come to Jesus. I want to put on my mask and, and, you know, come to him with the best of me. But it's the, same, it's the same story. You know, how can I experience his love when I put a mask on and, and put up a barrier between us? You know, I can be forgiven because Jesus was able to forgive. That's the truth. Um, I'll continue to read. It says, now the people stood by watching but even the rulers ridiculed and sneered at him, saying, He saved others from death. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him. He's copying it from everyone. The soldiers again, <coughs> coming, he, coming to him and cruelly offering him sour wine and sarcastically saying, If you are really the king of the Jews, save yourself from death. Now there was also an inscription above him. This is the king of the Jews. It was all mockery. It was all injustice, wasn't it? One of the criminals who had been hanged on the cross beside him kept hurling abuse at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us from death. So now he's copying it from the criminal next to him as well. It, there's, there's no one that's not giving it to him. But the other one rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? We are suffering justly because... We are getting what we deserve for what we have done. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, please remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said to him, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So I guess the challenge here is if we put ourselves in this position, could we do the same? Do you think, do you think we could have a similar response? I don't know about you, but I struggle with the slightest injustice, you know, the slightest incorrect accusation, even, even a true accusation. There's something about that that just I want it to not be true and so I'll fight you on it. 
Do you know what I mean? I struggle with that. But something, something Jesus was able to do because he's God and he is the one who came and, and we now have his spirit living through us. And so all that he was able to do, he can now do through us. That's the truth. That's how it works. But something that he was able to do was he was able to look at the people mocking him, the people abusing him, the people whipping him, nailing him to a cross, and he was able to see them. He was able to see them. I think that's the key. It's like, have you ever had the experience where someone, where you have been with the spirit, you know, like um, you have been filled up, you're like, you're the full marker and you come across someone who is really struggling with some sort of pain in their life and they take it out on you or they make a sharp comment or whatever it is. Maybe you can think of someone now, but have you ever found that in a moment where, you know, he is able to live through you that you can see them? Have you ever found that you can actually find some compassion and grace? You know, the Bible says that Jesus came full of truth and full of grace. It's like we can hold on to truth, but have compassion. Jesus was able to see that his pain. And, and so why, why can I do that? I can do that because he did that. That's the only reason. I, with the spirit, the full marker, have the ability now to do something completely unnatural that I wouldn't have been able to do without him that's the only way that's the only i've taken it to a really extreme example but um i think that helps us (laughs) and the bible's full of um examples of um times where people were filled did great things not not because they were a great musician you know with a cool guitar but they did great things because they were filled with the spirit and in in fact often a story in the bible you'll start reading about, you know, a hero in the Bible and you find that Jesus is the hero because he's filled them in order to do an amazing work. And the best thing about these stories is often they'll say in the name of Jesus and give him glory because the thing that we need in order to receive all that he has for us is humility. And so when, you know, we we started with worship this morning, it's like when we worship him and put him in his rightful place, then He's able to impart on us his spirit and we can do great things um, or he can do great things through us. So let's take a look at, it, at an example. I didn't, I didn't go, you know, <laughs> far from that story. Just the very next book of the Bible is um, after the Gospels is Acts. And so um, let's, read about, let's read about Peter. <coughs> so, so Peter, this is, this is just after Peter does a miracle. He's walking along the street and you know, he's, he's left his profession. He's seen um, Jesus die on the cross. Um, he's mourned and then uh, Jesus is raised from the dead. He's come to see Peter. Um, weeks later, they're all together. The Holy Spirit comes um, and, and fills them all up. Basically, they're full markers. And this is, this is the result. Jesus ascends to heaven and, um, and, and this, this is how the story continues. This is Acts 4, 7 to 21. When they had put the men in front of them, uh, so a bit, bit of background, because Peter did a miracle and the authorities don't understand what's happened and he's created a ruckus, they arrest him and take him in front of the governing authorities who are the religious leaders. It says, when they had <coughs> put the men in front of them, they repeatedly asked, by what sort of power or in what name, that is by what kind of authority, do you do this healing? Then Peter, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, members of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high court. 
if we are being put on trial today to interrogate us for a good deed done to benefit a disabled man as to how this man has been restored to health, let it be known and clearly understood by all of you and by the people of Israel that in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you demanded be crucified by the Romans and whom God raised from the dead in this name, that is by the authority and power of Jesus, this man stands here before you in good health. This Jesus is the stone which was despised and rejected by you, the builders. By the way, that's highly offensive, what Peter just said, because that's part of a prophecy, you know, the, the capstone prophecy that, that these religious leaders, they, they knew about that, and Peter's putting them on the wrong side of this prophecy. So, so he's being very bold here. Uh, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among people by which we must be saved. For God has provided the world no alternative for salvation. Now, when the men of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high court, saw the confidence and boldness of Peter and John and grasped the fact that they were uneducated and untrained ordinary men, they were astounded and began to recognize, oh, thanks, Ben, um, saying, uh, recognize that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing there with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But after ordering them to step out of the council chamber, they began to confer among themselves, saying, what are we to do with these men? For the fact that an extraordinary miracle has taken place through them is public knowledge and clearly evident to all the residents of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But to keep it from spreading further among the people and the nation, let us sternly warn them not to speak again to anyone in this name. So they sent for them and commanded them not to speak as representatives or teach at all in the name of Jesus, using him as their authority. But Peter and John replied to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you and obey you rather than God, you must judge for yourselves. For we on our part cannot stop telling people about what we have seen and heard. When the rulers and council members had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of their fear of the people, for they were all praising and glorifying and honouring God for what had happened. That would have looked pretty bad, hey? You know, if you're the religious leader supposed to be leading the people into, you know, um, knowledge and understanding of God, and then punishing someone who's done a great miracle in the name of God, that wouldn't have worked out. So they had to let them go. They didn't like what they were doing because they were not the ones doing it. It was someone that had been with Jesus who was doing it. And so I think I asked the same question. Why was Peter able to, like, this is, this is a pretty fear-invoking circumstance. You know, Peter's standing in front of, like, the high court you know, with the elders and all the leaders of a great people with a great history. And he speaks so boldly. And it just makes me think back to, do you know, do you know how the, the story of Peter starts? Jesus approaches him at his place of work in, in his boat and he's fishing. And, and he's, he does a miracle and Peter catches a ton of fish, fish after not catching anything all night. And Peter comes up to Jesus, kneels before him and says, please go away. I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy to be anywhere near you. He, he's, he's afraid. He's afraid of Jesus. And, you know, Jesus looks past all that. And I, I think in that story, I think what Jesus thought was great. Some humility. You know where you are. You know where you stand. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> Peter continues to follow Jesus. He starts to, he starts to learn that what Jesus can do, I can do. He's, you know, Jesus walks on water. He's the one that puts up his hand and says, can I walk on water too? And then um, he has this amazing 
after after he's been with Jesus for a while and seen the miracles, he just has these this amazing confession of faith and becomes a leader even in the group that um, Jesus is leading and and pulls his you know the other disciples along in a time of real uncertainty when a lot of people were were leaving Jesus. And then um, there's another miracle where uh, Jesus says to him, "Hey, go and go and catch two fish. There'll be some coins in their mouths. I want you to use those coins to pay our tax." And it's like that. I think that's a bit of a defining moment for Peter because. Uh, that's Peter's profession, right? But he's already experienced not being able to do well at his profession and Jesus coming and doing it better. So it seemed like a bit of a test. Peter, go and fish, not with nets the way that you used to, throw a hook in, one hook with no bait, this is what Jesus sent him off to do, and come back with some coins. Do you think he went away with some sort of scepticism or dealing with his own pride? He went and did it. It worked out, you know. And then um, after Jesus' death, he's filled with the Spirit. He's walking along the Bible. The Bible accounts that, that Peter is walking along and the Spirit is so filling him that it's just oozing from him that even the people whose shadows, uh, who touch his shadow are being healed. Yeah, that's unnatural. That is unnatural. You know, the marker was full. And then, you know, he's standing here in this passage speaking boldly in front of probably the most scary people he could possibly offend. And he boldly speaks the truth in grace. He speaks the truth. That's unnatural. Look at where he started. Look at the transformation. He was full of fear, didn't even want to come close to Jesus. Now Jesus has filled him up and he's speaking boldly in front of the Jewish high council with all of the bigwigs. That's incredible. You know, he's not doing what he could do. It says he was an ordinary, uneducated fisherman. He was a fisherman. They, they held their teaching and their um, education in very high account. Um, another example. Um, let's, let's keep reading through Acts. This is actually in chronological order. Um, so um, Peter, Peter is now leading a, a, a large congregation and group of people, and um, he's one of the founding members of the early church, and the news is being spread about, you know, um, what Jesus has done. And, um, you know, they need, to, they need to elect some more people to lead because this thing's growing. Um, and so, so that's where we, we join the story. It says, now when they heard this accusation, so this is amongst the same people, and understood its implication, this is amongst Peter's own people that he's leading, they were cut to the heart and they began grinding their teeth at rage in him. Oh, sorry, I'm reading the wrong part. That's okay. I think I was just going to fill you in on this. I'll, I'll do that and then I'll read this part. So, sorry, sorry, I, I, I have made a mistake. So, um, anyway, they, they go to elect some people and, um, to, to help lead. And the interesting part is that they, they base um, the characteristic of the people that they want to elect on two things. Um, one is they must be men of good repute. And two, they have to be filled with the spirit. And so they elect seven men. Like this is their criteria. And we follow the story. Um, it highlights one of them being filled with the, the, the spirit. And um, his name's Stephen. And so, we, so this, this is where I'm actually starting the story. We pick up the story where Stephen <coughs> has also spoken boldly um, in ways that, you know, would be quite fear invoking. It says, now when they heard this, this is the people that he has basically accused this accusation and understood its implication. They were cut to the heart and they began grinding their teeth in rage at him. 
But he, being full of the Holy Spirit and led by him, gazed into heaven and saw the glory, the great splendor and majesty of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens opened in welcome and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they shouted with loud voices and covered their ears and together rushed at him, considering him guilty of blasphemy. They then, uh, then they <coughs> drove him out of the city and began stoning him. And the witnesses placed their outer robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They continued stoning Stephen as he came on, as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive and accept and welcome my spirit. Then falling on his knees in worship, he cried out loudly, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Do not charge them. When he'd said this, he fell asleep. So it's true. So in the most extreme of circumstances, and this is not a circumstance that we have to deal with, right? We live in a different time, a different culture. Um, if I say something that offends someone else, I'm likely, you know, not going to be stoned. Um, you know, in some, in some places in the world, that's, that's actually not the way. And maybe it's not stones. Maybe technology is advanced beyond stones, but it's true. Your life, your life may be in danger. You know, praise God. We, you know, we, we live in relative safety here. Um, but I think, I think out of that passage, I, I just can't help but ignore Stephen's um, lack of fear. You know, when we're filled with the Spirit, we have a boldness and a confidence to accomplish something that is completely unnatural in our natural state. Yeah. And I think the thing, the thing, the thing that the Spirit was helping Stephen do was really count the cost. You know, he was a man whose characteristic was described as filled with the spirit, but it's the same with him. He wasn't doing what he could do. He was doing what Jesus could do. He wasn't doing it because he could do it. He was doing it because Jesus did it. And so, you know, like we've, we've looked at three examples and I look at those examples and I think, oh, Jesus came, you know, with truth and grace, grace and truth. And Jesus spoke the truth boldly while he was alive that's why peter was able to that's why stephen was able to but he also had great compassion for people he was all about people and so even amongst times where people were speaking out boldly against him speaking untruths and accusations he could have compassion and we too have access to the same empowerment that stephen and peter were using when they were faced with difficult circumstances. So I don't know what it is for you today, but um, you know, there, there might be people that wish you harm. That's true. Maybe not physically, but there'd be people that might speak against you for some reason. There'd be people that might not like you. <coughs> well, in my natural state, I'm just going to fire back at them because that's what I have, right? I have my own way of defending myself. But when I'm empowered with the spirit, I can see something else. My eyes are open. When I'm, powered, when I'm empowered by the Spirit, I have the ability to be bold and speak out against things that I can see that are untruths, regardless of those who I will offend. That's okay. It's the truth. I can have grace in, in amongst a moment where someone else might be offended by the truth. I didn't do anything wrong. I spoke the truth as long as I speak it with grace. And we're empowered to count the cost. You know, this is... Um, I was, saying, I was saying just before, you know, Mel and I 
yeah, this is this is a new house. We haven't actually even used this room for a whole lot, is what I said. We haven't set this room up. We're still, we're maybe a bit behind um, where we thought we'd be, but we're doing a few things to the house, and um, we're just not we're just not where we thought we would be. You know, like at some point, I think we decided to follow Jesus in an unnatural way, and it's led us to even live in a house that we might not have otherwise lived. It's led us to be doing jobs that we might not otherwise have done or not doing jobs. And so I'll finish with this because I know that, oh, 26 minutes. Sorry, Curtis. Um, yeah, there's five more minutes, Curtis, five more minutes. You probably planned for me to go for half an hour. Um, I, was, I was praying about, about this because, um, you know, Brad spoke about the spirit bringing satisfaction last week and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, that's so true. Um, you know, Ali, Ali spoke about um, getting up early in the morning and coming to Jesus in different ways. And I really appreciated what Ali had to say. You know, she said sometimes she reads the Bible, sometimes she prays, sometimes she'll journal. And there's lots of ways that we can, you know, seek God and, and, and be with him because that's, that's the thing, right? To be with him. When we're with him, we're empowered by him. You know, that's what the, the members of the high council um, said about Peter and John. They said, oh, they recognized that they were with Jesus. Hey, I'm an ordinary guy. There's nothing too special about me. You get to know me, you'll find that out. But there's something special about him. And that's what they recognized about Peter. He was bold. Do you know what I mean? He was, but he was, he was bold in an unnatural way. And so, you know, Ali, Ali shared that, you know, in order to, to find a way to receive early in the day for the rest of her day to be filled, <coughs> she's seeking God early in the morning in, in different ways. But I said to Leela last week, after I heard both Ali and Brad speak, I'm like, you know, there's no formula. Oh, that was actually Leela's word. She said, there's no formula to this because it's a relationship, right? Being with Jesus, seeking God is a relationship. You know, I, it would be much easier if I could tick a box in some way do a little jig or, you know, sing a song or, you know, say the right thing in prayer in a repetitive manner. But if um, my heart is his reward, then what he wants is my heart. And my heart is always feeling different things. I'm a complex being. That's how he made me. And I'm feeling different things based on the circumstances around me. That's just life. This is a little bit about what we, a little bit of what we spoke about earlier. <coughs> and so, um, yeah, there's, there's no formula in the way that I approach Jesus. It would be easier if there was, but there's no interaction that I can put on repeat. It's kind of like when I'm speaking to anyone else, really. I don't know why we put God in this box where we can repeat something and receive something. That's just not the way he, he is. Let's read. Let's just finish up with uh, John 15, 12 to 17. It says, this is my commandment, that you love and unselfishly seek the best for one another, just as I have loved you. No one has greater love nor strain, stronger commitment than to lay down his own life for his friends. You are my friends if you keep on doing what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you my friends because I have revealed to you everything that I have heard from my father. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and I have appointed and placed and purposefully planted you so that you would go and bear fruit and keep on bearing and that your fruit will remain and be lasting. He's talking about what people are doing, bearing fruit, right? So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name as my representative, he may give you. And it's receiving what we don't have in order to bear fruit because it's not on us naturally. It's on him unnaturally. That's 
the market that's being filled. This is what I command you, that you love and unselfishly seek the best for one another. Thank God I don't have to naturally fulfill that commandment. He can do it. I can do it because he did it. Yeah, I came across that verse because I was praying and I was asking God, I was like, yeah, that's true, Jesus. Like there's no formula to coming to you and being filled. It's just being with you and you doing it. I'm like, but is there some consistency in anything? What would you say? And I just felt him say, I, I was asking, how should I approach you every time? And he just said, as a friend, just as a friend. Yeah, and we come to him as a friend maybe in the early hours of the morning, receiving what we need so that we can see in an unnatural way things that we wouldn't have seen through natural eyes. We can be filled by his spirit. And in every scenario and circumstance that plays out in our lives, we're not doing what we can do naturally. We're doing what he can do because he did it. Yeah. I better stop. 31 minutes. I'm going to get in trouble. All right, man, I, I, I've only pulled a few examples out of the Bible. Like I'm sure there's, you know, other examples. There's other things that you guys can think of playing out in your own lives. But I'm interested to hear what this group has to say about it. Uh, I'm interested to, you know, hear later how you guys have gone as well with your discussions. So let's break. We're going to talk amongst ourselves. Let's chat.